Today we are uh, doing our prayer service, which is uh, something that we do to begin each year. And um, I, I can tell you that this year we have, in our planning the, uh, the other day, scheduled a prayer service both for January and I think we'll do another one in July. So we're, we're planning to do this uh, twice, twice a year. Our focus today kind of builds off what we've talked about the last few weeks with uh, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we kind of looked at Luke's version of the Beatitudes uh, last week, the blessings and the woes. Uh, but today we're going to um, be focusing in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And the word Beatitude just means blessing. And don't we want to begin the year or look ahead to a year of blessing? Right? And so that was, that's, uh, I think, makes it very appropriate uh, for us to spend some time here in this, this passage this morning. Uh, but let's, uh, I don't have it on the screen, but uh, I'm just going to read through the, the passage as a whole. Um, as we, different speakers, uh, come up to, to both read uh, share some thoughts and then pray. They'll actually be reading other passages of Scripture that relate to their particular um, beatitude. So in Matthew chapter 5 and beginning in verse 3, oh well, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what are the Beatitudes? What are the Beatitudes? They are the introduction, the opening of the Sermon on the Mount. So they kind of catch our attention, not just because they're a little poetic, you know, and the, the format of them is, you know, consistent and perhaps easier to remember, but because Jesus begins his sermon in this way. And so we might ask, are they attitudes that we must have in order to be a Christian? Are they things that we need to do if we want to please God? I want to say, rather than seeing this as a, a list you know, to measure ourselves and say, do I measure up? Am I good enough for God? Rather than be attitudes, give us a glimpse into, into the kingdom of God. And this isn't something that we do. It's something that God does in us. Okay? So we don't say, I need to be you know, just... In order to be baptized, in order to follow Jesus, I first need to be poor in spirit. 
Rather, as we are in Christ, as we spend time, he molds us. He, uh, we're formed into his image over time. And that's what the kingdom of God is. Now, sometimes this can be a problem because sometimes we look at these and we say these beatitudes, these values, they're not the values that are important to me. Okay? Um, because they paint a, dest- a picture of a destination of a place that we're going. And so you might say, well, where's the idea of strength in the Beatitudes? Where's, what if I you know, love adventure, right? Where's adventure in the Beatitudes? You know, what are the, what are the things that, that we, um, determination, you know, the things that we value to get ahead in life. Can you imagine trying to play basketball, you know, at school and you're like, the coach yells at you and says, well, why didn't you go up for, for that rebound? And, and you just say, well, Jesus told me I need to be meek. Yeah. And so I let the other guy get it. Right? And, and so we, if, if we just take these and say, this is exactly the thing that every Christian needs to look like, you say, how do we exist? How do we live in, in the world? But rather, it's a picture of God's kingdom. And so some of the traits that we need to get through the world now are because of the sin that exists in the world. I read an, an author, a, a young man named Michael. And he says, I remember snickering in the back row with my buddies as the youth leaders conjoled us to cease being cocky and macho and become meek and mild. The four of us were three sport athletes in high school. And the picture of the Christian life that was held up for us from the Beatitudes seemed lamely pathetic. I think perhaps we can understand why a young athlete in high school might have that picture. Maybe we haven't always portrayed them um, well. A few years later, in the jungles of Vietnam, this author saw what the world can look like without God. It's not bravado or macho or rebelliousness. It's painful, violent, and self-centered. And shortly after his experience there, he submitted his life to Jesus and sought to model his life on the very beatitudes that he'd mocked just a few years earlier. And so this morning, we're going to explore the Beatitudes. They're not the be-all and the end-all of everything a Christian should be, but they give us a glimpse into what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And so as we explore the Beatitudes, we're also going to pray through them. So we'll have more prayer this morning than we usually do. But perhaps it'll be something that you want to take with you into this new year, a year a prayer, a year of blessing.
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, poor in spirit is kind of a, I don't know, a term that, I mean, maybe we struggle with. Uh, maybe humble is, is a word that we might be more familiar with, um, might be easier for us to understand. Um, the, uh, in my reading uh, that I was doing for this, uh, it, most of the time the, what they were talking about was that it's realizing that there's something missing in our lives and that something is God and that we need to understand that without God we are nothing. Um, that's where the, the poor in spirit comes from. That's where the humbleness comes from, realizing that everything that we have comes from God um, and that, uh, that truly that everything that, that we do, everything that we accomplish is not by our own strength, um, by our own will, but it's because God um, gave us that strength. God gave us that will. Um, the reading um, that I have is from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And this is uh, Moses talking to the Israelites. They've uh, finished up their 40 years. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. In the, the Beatitude, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, that's what we receive. That's what we're part of, is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I guess I really didn't realize it until just reading this, that what he's describing to the Israelites is, is their kingdom of heaven on earth, um, a land overflowing with milk and honey, um, all these good things that the Lord is going to give them if they are humble, if they do as the Lord commands, if they do not forget that the Lord is their God. Um, I know that um, in my own life, I try to remember that um, as much as, as I can, and sometimes I, I don't get all the way there, but I try to remember that, that the good things I have aren't because of my talents, my skill, um, or just blind luck sometimes. It's because, uh, because God loves me, 
um, and God's grace um, is, uh, is something that he's given me. Um, they often call grace a, a unmerited favor. You know, the, the good things that, that I might have aren't uh, necessary because of anything I did or because I'm, I'm a good person, um, but it's because God loves me and God gives me these things because he loves me. Um, I guess this morning as we uh, go through this prayer service, um, and particularly this, this reading here, uh, let us remember that um, God loves us, that God wants us to, um, to be humble. He wants us to yearn after him, to seek him, um, to do his will, and uh, in doing so, uh, we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Um, let us pray. Father God, I just thank you, Father, that, uh, that you love us, you love us as your, your children, Lord, that you, you want us um, to hunger and thirst after you, Father, that, um, that you want us to realize that everything um, that we have comes from you, Lord, that, uh, that a relationship with you is the, is the greatest thing that we can have in this life, Father. So this morning, I, I just pray that each one of us will remember that you are our Heavenly Father, that you are God, that you give us the good things that come in our life. Lord, because you love us, because you want that relationship with us. So Father, just continue to, uh, to be with us, to guide us in all that we do, Lord, and may your name be lifted up in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And he will lift you up. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God, and He died for us, and He, he died for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that said a wretch like me, that said a wretch like me. When we've been there 10,000 years, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, bright shining as the sun. So just humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Uh, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, 
will lift you up, and he will lift you up. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I'll be reading from uh, the fourth chapter of Philippians, beginning at uh, verse 1, and we'll talk a little bit about how it relates to the idea of meekness or, or gentleness. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Synctish to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Paul, first of all, uh, exhorts the readers of the Philippian letter to stand firm in the Lord in this way. Now, when he says this way, what he's talking about is, is something he discussed back in a few verses earlier in chapter 3, where he described uh, the society around the Philippian Christians as being enemies of the cross of Christ. And uh, they're having a, a narcissistic, uh, stomach-based lifestyle. Uh, and, and he exhorted the Philippian Christians not to feel less when they couldn't join this society around them, when they couldn't join in. But Paul says, you are not less, uh, you are more. So stand firm in the, in the way that he led his life and follow in his example. Then he talks about a conflict that apparently was taking place between two women in the Philippian church, Euodia and Synctish. Uh, we don't know who they were, any more about them. They're never mentioned again. We don't know what the conflict was about. Uh, we don't know that at all. And uh, Paul himself may not have known the details of it. After all, as he wrote this letter, he was 600 miles away uh, in a Roman prison cell. Uh, I don't think his concern was this woman being was right and this other one was wrong. His concern was not so much the issues, but how the issues were handled. And he said, let your gentleness be, be evident to all. He wanted this situation to be handled with a great deal of, of gentleness. And as he pleads for gentleness among the Philippian Christians, he exhibits that characteristic himself. He could have said, he could have whipped out his apostle's badge and said, uh, I'm in charge here. Uh, do what I say. I'm the boss. After all, Jesus gave the apostles authority to lead and make decisions in the early church. But he declines to take that route at all. Uh, he says, these, uh, these true companions, 
They aren't my subordinates. They aren't my underlings. They have contended at my side. They're not behind me. They're not under me. They are alongside of me. And so Paul exhibits that kind of gentleness. And he says, in spite of the fact that there's disagreement, that there's conflict here, their names are in the book of life. So we see how Paul wanted us to go about doing things. The arrogant person says, what's in it for me? The meek or the gentle person says, what's in it for the kingdom of God? The arrogant person uh, says, look at me, look at what I have done. The meek and the gentle say, look at what God has done through us. Then he exhorts them to, to rejoice and let their, their gentleness be evident to everyone around them because the Lord was near. And then he says, if when we do these things, we don't have to be anxious about anything. In every situation, we can present our request to God, and the peace of God will guard us. Interesting choice of words, uh, saying that the peace of God will guard. Because probably Paul could look out through his cell door and see a guard. And he, said, and he said, the peace of God will guard you just like this guard is guarding me to make sure that I don't uh, do anything to harm myself. Then he gives us some targets for our mental discipline, some things to think about. He says, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. It's hard to have mental discipline. It's much easier to, to discipline our actions than it is to discipline our thoughts. But Paul is working with the knowledge here that the, our, our thoughts originate and direct our actions. And if our thoughts and if our minds are correct, then our actions will always be correct. So if a person goes around thinking jealous thoughts, pretty soon he will begin to act in jealous ways. If he thinks about angry thoughts all the time, pretty soon he will act out his anger in all kinds of ways. If he thinks of greedy things, pretty soon he will be acting in greedy ways. And so he exhorts us to, to discipline our minds and to work with the, with the meekness that he has exhibited here as he tried to resolve this conflict in the, in the uh, Philippian church. Join me in prayer as we think about this characteristic of meekness or, or gentleness and how we can use it in our community here in Rochester. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful to you that you have given us so much, that you have laid your word open to us, that we have access to it, that we can look into it, and, and in so doing, we can look into your very mind and understand what kind of world you would like to have. We thank you for the life of Jesus, for the, for the meekness, for the gentleness that he exhibited. Yes, he was strong and he was passionate about what he was doing, but he was also gentle. He was also understanding and forgiving. We pray that as we work in our community that we will be known not just for what we do, but for the way in which we go about doing it. We pray, Father, that you will, will help us to, to not be proud or, or arrogant or judgmental, but help us to, to exhibit these characteristics of, of Jesus that you want us to, 
to be seen uh, throughout your community. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pass me now, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. And while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. I'm calling you, Savior, Lord, Savior. Why don't you hear my humble cry? And while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by trusting on in thy merit. Would I see thy face heal my wounded broken spirit save me by thy grace I'm calling you say Savior Lord say Savior why don't you hear my my humble cry and while on others thou art call, calling do not pass me by thou the spring of all my comfort more than life to me when I lie on earth beside thee whom in heaven but thee I'm calling you Savior Lord save a Savior oh why don't you hear my humble cry and while on others thou art call, calling
not pass me by. I appreciate all the guys that are sharing thoughts this morning. Um, I, I gave them these readings and said, here's your text, here's a reading. You put them together however you like, and uh, I don't know how much time they spent puzzling over how to put them together, but uh, I appreciate all their, their work uh, on that this morning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled I almost chose Psalm 42 here, which begins, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. And it's funny that we're going to sing that song in a little bit, but it's such an iconic verse. But if you keep on reading down through the verse, through the psalm, it, it sort of moves off onto other, other topics, right? But that image of a, a deer in the wilderness... Uh, longing for a waterhole. And you, you could, you know, if you're more familiar with documentaries about African lions and warthogs, you can, you know, replace them. As a warthog log, you know, uh, longs for water, you know, in the wilderness. So my soul longs for God. So whatever, whatever picture it might be, it's, it's that desperation of, of being without water and uh, needing needing it how do we need god how does that relate and so this this hungering and thirsting for righteousness i'm going to read uh, psalm 119 we we perhaps know psalm 119 as the longest chapter or the longest psalm in the bible and i'm not going to read all of it this morning um but what's really unique about it several things but is that i think of the 150 verses there's only about 10 or 12 that don't mention God's Word in His commands, His statutes, His precepts. There's, there's a whole lot of different words, but basically saying the teaching, the instruction that God gives. So of the 150, you know, 140 of them are focused on praising God for His guidance in our lives. And, uh, and you think, wow, how, how many verses could I put down, thanking God for his guidance in my life. We'd probably fill in the other 10 or 12, right? But the, the 140, we'll let the psalmist keep those because we'd run out of words, I suspect, and ways of saying it. But I think the psalmist who wrote this was hungering and thirsting after God. So uh, we're going to read the first 16 verses. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with their whole heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as you learn you, as I learned your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? 
by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. You get the sense just in 16 verses, right? How dedicated, how much this person values the um, instruction of God and um, wants to build his life around that instruction, around that, that teaching. Hunger and thirst, we understand that real well. How about righteousness? How about righteousness? I, it, it's, a, it's a tricky word, right? Because it covers a lot of different things uh, are included in that. It's a very broad term. Um, a while back, I was doing some research because one of the terms we find a lot in the Old Testament is justice. In fact, we'll have another reading in a little bit about that. Um, and we see this word justice that shows up in the Old Testament quite a lot, and God values it, and it's important. But as you go through the New Testament, we don't see justice as much. And it's like, well, what happened? Did God stop caring about justice in the New Testament? And, and so as I, I studied, one of the things I, I came to realize is that this word righteousness includes the idea of justice in it. And, and sometimes I think we see the word righteousness and we think of it in terms of me doing what is right. Okay? Me doing what is right. But we can expand it. And, and in fact, uh, I think there's kind of three, three ways that we can think about this word. Uh, the first one, is the desire to see justice carried out on the, in the earth. It, think of it as in terms of making things right. Okay? That's what justice really is, isn't it? Justice should make things right. Now, I know we talk about that we have a justice system. It doesn't always make things right. In fact, sometimes it makes things worse. But God, when he talks about justice, it's about making things right. And so righteousness has that idea embedded in it, that things, making things right. It also, of course, does reflect on our personal, um, the way we live personally, our personal ethics, our personal morals, and how we live our lives. We can't live sinful lives and then try and say that we're righteous. Okay? Uh, but if we're seeking righteousness, God's righteousness, we ourselves will live in a right way, uh, as the psalmist has described here. And, and then I think as we, 
as Jesus and as the New Testament writers describe righteousness. There's a part of that that talks about sharing God to the world. Okay? That, that it's not something that we, we keep um, for ourselves because it includes the way that God ultimately is going to make everything right is through establishing his kingdom, is through saving the world, through Christ returning to the world and making things right. So yeah, we have this obligation to value and pursue justice in the present or righteousness. We have an obligation to live our lives as in, in such a godly or righteous manner as we can. But we also let others know because God's vision isn't just for Lawson Road or Rochester. It's for the world. And we let others know about the gift of salvation that is key to everything being made right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's out there. We don't always experience it. But in the kingdom of heaven, they shall be filled. Will you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we come to you just uh, humble this morning, recognizing how dependent we are upon you. And Lord, we live in a world where we see suffering, we see hardship, we experience it. It's not just observers. Father, we, we know that this world isn't right. And so, Lord, we, we do long for you to make things right. And, and we pray this morning that you will start with us, that, that our lives will reflect your righteousness, that the ways we interact with the people around us will bring glory to you as we live out your values. Lord, we pray for, for those around us that experience injustice, and, and hurt and inequity and Lord that we perhaps will um, be motivated to work to uh, restore justice to value that um, in in the in our society and in the lives of those who are being um, mistreated Father we pray that as we go we will take your message of salvation with us because we believe that you will make this world right at, at some point in the future, that Christ will return and that we can look forward to your kingdom being established. And we want to be part of that mission. We pray that your spirit will just give us the courage, give us the endurance, give us the wisdom and the words that we need to live out uh, your righteousness um, in our lives and to spread it around the world. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Then we have a song. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. 
You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You're my friend, and you are my brother, even though you are a king. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Good morning. I feel better. I'm used to sitting there listening to others. But now I've done turned around. I'm up here and you down there. <laughs> I am going to read Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, the first part sounded like the Lord, as I was reading, it sounded like the Lord was looking for 
something better. Not us bringing rams or anything like that for a sacrifice. No, 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 no. He needed something much better than that. Even though the ram or the bull that they sacrificed kept their sins away from him for a year, he forgave them for a year with that. Then they had to do the same thing over again. But he said to himself, I need something better. I need something better. And what he did, he searched all over to look for something, someone that could come and give us a better way. He searched all over. And as he looked, there was one. There was one that came to him and said, Father, I'll go. Said, Father, I will go. You know, during God has always been merciful with man, with mankind, period, all through the ages. And now, we, he, has, he is being merciful still with us today. Like this morning, he sent mercy down to say, Rod, wake up. I have given you another day. And he did the same with the rest of you as well. Mercy. We haven't done nothing so exciting, to, uh, something so outrageous that he had to do that. But that's God. And that's his mercy. Blessed are the merciful and pure in heart. That was my title there. Merciful. I read it in the dictionary, in the Bible dictionary, and it says compassionate and kind treatment towards the needy and helpless and an attribute of God towards mankind. God has been looking, searching for someone to go. God has been merciful to us in three, in three ways. I said three ways because in Romans 5, 8, I get three ways from that, from that verse. And the verse reads, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that when we were still sinners, he sent his son Christ to die for us. We were lost. Three, number one, love is number one. This is the one thing I've seen that's in the in eight. In Romans eight, five, eight, love, mercy, Christ was, with, Christ was there at that time as well. Second, he loved us so. He needed someone to go, to go and bring us back 
to him. So he sent, when we was yet sinners, he sent his son, number two. He sent his son to do what? Number three, to die in our stead. Love, son, to die in our stead on the cross to bring us back to God Almighty. Now, within, that, within those three steps, it's a timeline if you look, if you look hard. Love was in the beginning. Christ was in the beginning with God. With God. And he sent down his son, his son, and in between there, he came into, born of a woman, came to earth, born of a woman. And he grew, and as he growed, he was preaching and teaching, healing the sick, and raising the dead, all in that, all in that span of time. And then finally, he came, he came, finally he came. He, got, he, he gathered disciples with him as well. And then it was time for him to go. It was time for him die on the cross. That's a timeline. To die on the cross for our sins. And with that, there was no other. That's why on the cross, he said, it is finished. His task that he had was done. He was merciful. God has sent mercy down to help us who was lost in darkness to help to bring us back to him through his son and him dying on the cross and we as Christians need to remember that that mercy that love that love the son he sent to die in our stead something to think about and know in that one verse you have those three things that he did he loved us sent his son to die for us because we couldn't come back to him so let us be thankful that while we were yet sinners God had mercy on us still and he remembered us and thought of us and said, I needed someone to bring my children back to me. And he sent his son, his only begotten son. Blessed are the merciful and pure in heart. Let us all continue to love one another. Let us all continue to help one another. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Most of all, we thank you for your, your precious son who came down and laid his life down so that we might live. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we will stand strong on the battlefield, fighting the good fight of faith, bringing more souls to you, to save. 
the Heavenly Father. When it's our time, when the clock on the wall has ticked its last for us, we pray, Father, that we would have lived an upright life in thy sight so that we would hear those welcome words. Well done. This prayer we so humbly pray in thy son's blessed name, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior forever. Let the church say amen. Light of the world, you step down in the darkness. Open my eyes, let, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all dead days, all so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for our sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. Blessed are the peacemakers. What, what a concept. Let's talk about that a little bit. First, we'll look at Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This last week when I was thinking of the concept of peacemakers, I really spent some time thinking, isn't that about the same as peacekeepers? And I came to the conclusion, those two are very different things. Very different. Peacekeeping is someone who can, through force, through intimidation, stop people from fighting. That's not the same as making peace. Now, if you think of someone that you would consider a peacemaker, who would that be? This week I was thinking, perhaps you would suggest Jimmy Carter. In 1978, there are pictures of him with Anwar Sadat from Egypt, and Menachem Begin from Israel at Camp David, the Camp David Accords. That's an example of a peacemaker right there, I believe. But is it only in an environment where someone is the president of the United States where peacemakers can be found? No. What about on the evil and on the mean streets and the violent streets of Rochester, New York. Can peacemakers be found there? I think they can. What about in our homes? Sometimes there's turmoil in our homes. Sometimes there's butting of heads. Can peacemakers be found in our homes? Yes, they can. And what is it? What is the characteristic that really is a peacemaker. I submit to you that it is someone who stops talking and lets God's spirit speak through them. I think it is someone who allows God's spirit to minister in that environment. They're usually the ones that are quiet. Their countenance is peaceful, relaxing, encouraging. There's someone who you feel better by being around. Those are the peacemakers. I think we are called to do so. And I think we are given an easy way to do that. Let's stop our own speaking and let's let God speak through us. Let God's spirit speak through us. Join me, please, in prayer. 
Holy Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we have examples of peacemakers in our lives. We think of family, we think of friends, we think of leaders that are peacemakers. Father, put on our hearts to be peacemakers in the world that you present before us. And if that world includes negotiating peace between warring countries, so be it. If that peacemaker role means negotiating peace within our families, within our homes, maybe within, even within ourselves, so be it, Father. Let us simply be vessels that your spirit can work through to bring peace to others, to bring peace to other lives. Father, we ask that you would allow this nation to be a nation of peace. We ask that this community would live in peace with each other. Father, we ask that this house, this house of worship, would also be a house of peace. And that all that would enter it would find your peace. Father, we ask that our homes would be homes of peace this year, that your spirit would reign, that your spirit would minister. Father, that the wounds that go so deep would be healed through your peace. We ask through your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.
of the Lord's Supper. At last ended my Savior bleed, and in my sovereign die. Would he devote that Savior? Good morning, folks. I'm supposed to read John 15, 8 through 21. I want to concentrate on verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you might go forth and bear fruit. A man will chase a woman till a woman catches him. That's just a truth of life. I'm not all I want to be. I'm not all I should be. I'm not all I could be. But that's why there is the Lord's Supper. That's why there is a Lord. Because it's an opportunity. Not just every day, every hour, every minute, to choose a better choice. And as, as it said, as a husband, 
I believe, this is just me, this is just me, that you have to make sure that every day you make sure that you let your wife know she made a good choice. And sometimes that's, that is so hard. But every day, you sh we should want to let the Lord know he made a good choice investing in us. Let us pray for the cup and let us pray for the bread. Father God, we come before you thanking you and praise you for life, health, and strength. Thank you for this bread which represents your broken body and this cup which represents your shedded blood. These and all of us who ask in Jesus' name. Again, we want to thank those who have joined us online for our worship service today. It's our prayer that our time together and reflection on God's word, and of course the prayers that we've offered this day have also uplifted your lives as they have done ours as well. It is always our intention and purpose to bring honor and glory to God's holy name. And of course, as we take a few moments to consider what he has done for us and how he's filled each of our lives, it does give us pause to again say thank you to everyone. Before we close in prayer, I would just make mention regarding our giving this day. As we think about the blessings for the coming year, we certainly can also be reminded of the many blessings he bestows upon us always. The scripture says each person should give as he decided in his heart to give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. And each time we place our contributions in the basket, each time we take a time to set aside and give unto God, it is a reflection of not only how much we care about his blessings for us, but that we intended, we purposely gave the way God has blessed us in a way that reflects his image in each of our lives. Let us go to God in prayer and thank him for the blessing, of course, and say farewell to those who are aligned with us as well. Almighty Father, we thank you again for our time to come together this day. And we're grateful, dear God, for the ways that you've filled each of our lives. Be with those who have joined us online this day. Continue in their lives as well, Father, and bless them and the needs that they have and, of course, the desires of their heart. We're grateful for all the ways you fill each of our lives. As our contribution this day is before you, please bless us and guide us in the use of these funds. Allow us, please, to continue to serve in a way that brings honor and glory to your name and, of course, as we fill the purpose that you have for us in your son's kingdom. Again, we thank you for your presence in each of our lives. Please continue to bless and guide and direct us always. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen.
And at this time, our young people can come forward and place their contributions in the bucket this morning, if you would, please. And of course, if we have prayer request cards, if you'd hold those up, I'll collect those, and we will make those known as well today. You recognize him, Arlo? <laughs> Good morning, Clay. How you doing this morning? Well, we're glad they made the contribution, a little bit of an effort to get to that bucket, but they made it up here anyway. We're grateful for all. So I do have some prayer request cards this morning. We'll honor those prayer requests as well. And, of course, uh, keeping all folks in mind that may have needs as well. Thank you, Gerard. Yep, go ahead. Uh, did make mention our sister Donna Turner is not here with us today. She is still home ill. Uh, she's feeling better, but didn't, we're not going to take a chance coming out this morning, so please keep Donna in your prayers. And for some of us who may have not known, uh, Brother G. McBride has been in the hospital this past week. Please keep him in your prayers. He's home now. He's still having issues with uh, blood issues, so please keep him in prayer as he goes through more testing as well. Sister Cobb asked us to pray for Stephen Davis. He is having heart surgery. Um, and of course, uh, is this Sharon who is in need of a new kidney? Uh, these are two folks that she's mentioned, Stephen and Sharon. And she also says she wants us to pray for her, that she has to keep her frame of mind uh, with people and situations. Uh, Shavatni's back problem has, as well, and Shaughnessy will, and said Shaughnessy will see justice. So there's a lot on her mind as well. Sister Kai will keep you in, in prayer today, especially, and for those that you've mentioned as well. Our sister Sarah Waterman says, thank you for praying for my brother Charles. He is home from the hospital uh, and still improving. Okay. The Whitmires, please pray for the family of Brian Lentz. Uh, he died on January 3rd. His funeral is Tuesday. Didn't we just recently pray for this family as well, I think, right? Yeah, right. Our sister Terry Brown, and this is a Gerard, both of this made mention that uh, Brother Rustin's brother passed on Friday. Also of us to know Brother Donald Rustin from Northside Congregation. Um, he had not been ill. He just suddenly died. So please keep the Rustin family in your prayers. It's a difficult moment for them. Our sister Carol Schultz says, My cousin Charlene needs prayer for recovery from a recent surgery. Also, she has a friend, Libby, who is in need of prayer and struggling physically and mentally. And we'll keep all of these folks in prayer as well. And of course, put them in our prayerly, weekly prayer guide also. Many things happening in people's lives. Of course, this is the circumstances of life in general. Uh, Events happen that we're not prepared for, and does happen. Lenny, okay, okay. Just 
Okay. Rose's son Lenny's traveling to Jamaica in the morning, so keep him in prayer for travel. Yes, Brother Yarde. Oh, okay, yes. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Okay, thank you, Shantiri. That's Brother Gatson that's been removed from the list. So keep him in prayer. Of course, the travelers going back to school, keep everybody safe, and of course, pray for your family as well. Yes, Brother Yardy, good to see you, brother. Thank you, Brother Yardin. Did I overlook anyone else's hand? Okay, let's go to our heaven. Yes, Crystal, I'm sorry. Thank you, Krista. We can even put that into the weekly uh, prayer list and send it out so people will know as well. Uh, thank you. Okay, let's bow together. If I caught everyone's hand this morning, I'll go to Heavenly Father. Our Father in Heaven, we thank you again. We are grateful, Father, that we can approach your throne. We take this moment to mention those that have been called upon this day and ask your Father, please, that you would continue with those who are in difficulty and need. 
Shatil Turner, Stacy Long, with Yardi and his wife as well. Father, please continue with them. And of course, those who are struggling and suffering, continue with them, Father, please. Be with Charlene and Libby. Continue with the Rustin family. Please be with the Lutz family at this time as they suffer loss as well as the Rustin family. Continue with Charles and his recovery. For Stephen Davis, Sharon, and for Sister Cobb and others, Almighty Father, as they also support in every way the family members. Continue with Shavati and Shaughnessy in the needs that they have in their lives as well. Yes, Father, we're mindful many of in our families, our friends, close ones, who have difficulties and challenges as part of our life journey. Please, for those who are close to each person, each family member, give them the words, give them the presence that can make a difference as they heal and, of course, as they look for recovery. As we have opportunity as well to share our faith and to encourage those in their walk and to go closer to you, Father, give us those moments, give us those words to speak, give us a presence that can make a change in people's lives. You have filled each of our lives with so many things, protected us, guided us, and directed us. We have seen another year pass and look to a new year as well. And as we take this moment to reflect, Father, again, we are grateful for all the ways that you touch us. Direct us in our purpose and our planning and our wanting and desires in this life. And for every day that you grant us, Father, let us use it in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. Oh, how we're grateful for your son, Jesus, our Redeemer. In his presence at his, your throne, interceding for us continually. He's ever mindful of all the things that make us anxious, make us uncertain, sometimes cause us injury and harm. And as we seek you, Father, and of course, your son's presence in each of our lives, how good it is to know that you care, that your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your patience, you are long-suffering towards each of us. Thank you, Father. Help us to be the servants that you've called us to be. Help us to fulfill your purpose for us, for you in each of our lives. And dear Father, as we make this path forward and as we understand more dearly what it means to be part of your son's kingdom, again, we do thank you. Be with us continually, Father. Put us in a place where we can make a difference. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we humbly pray, amen. Thank you all for being part of our service today. Is there a closing song too, EJ, or that's it? That's okay, good. Let's stand together, of course, and we'll be dismissed. And of course, as we spend our time together, we'll be back for class right around 11.20, right around 11.20. Thank you for being here today. Enjoy yourself. You're ready to go.